Hello and welcome to our autumn series of Resonate. In the months ahead, we will be exploring ideas around communities. First, exploring work in prisons and some specific prison-based projects in Bristol. Before that, this episode takes a broader look at working in communities through the lens of the Oasis organisation. I speak to Jill Rowe, who talks about the values of Oasis and how they work in action. Also, how to be inclusion-driven, how to work in and with communities, what motivates Oasis, and ideas about how we might live our most fulfilled lives. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Resonate podcast. I'm really excited to be here with Jill Rowe. Jill is the Ethos and Formation Director at Oasis and is going to explore with me some of the different ways that Oasis approaches things. So just to start us off, can you give us a bit of a background on who you are and how did you end up in this role? Don't you love the length of my job title as well? It's fantastic, isn't it? Um, So... Historically, I trained as a youth and community worker and a secondary school teacher. That's my kind of background in terms of professional experience, as it were, that I brought into Oasis. But I've I've been part of Oasis for 24 years this year, which is so long. But it's worth mentioning, actually, that the story probably starts a lot earlier than that really because I grew up in I grew up in the Anglican church and had two fantastic youth workers Rob and Daphne and one of the things that Rob and Daphne helped me understand and it's literally Friday night youth club and that was it. it was nothing fancy or anything like that but they basically helped me understand that faith like this following Jesus thing needed and should and it was always meant to intersect with the world so it was never this is a nice set of beliefs and you're meant to be nice it was this stuff that we're talking about has a deep connection with everything that's happening in life so I'd got this stuff that I was learning but I was also conscious that in the parish church that I was in there was something of everything from every part of everywhere in our congregation. And that, I I think it's only when I look back on it, I'm like, I'm so grateful that that's where I came from. If you fast forward through time and training and ending up in, I ended up in Derby where I was a teacher, but also did quite a lot of community youth work on the side. And what was always coming together was this sense of we're, meant to be participating in the transformation of the world and then I think it was 94 or something like that I first met Steve Chalk the founder of Oasis and uh, it was during that time that we worked out how I could get to work for Oasis and over a period of years I think really as Oasis was growing massively there's this really important piece of work that has to be done which is about knowing your identity as an organization and also the values that flow from that identity from that story so that you inhabit the world with integrity of who you are according to your story so my job falls into three categories the first one is to help the organization everyone who's part of it understand that they're There's a story that underpins what Oasis is. We call it a Christ-centered story. And my job is just is to help the organization understand 
how that helps us function, how it helps us have the right lens on what we're doing. The second thing is that that story leads us to a set of ways that we want to behave as an organization. So we're passionate about inclusion, we're commitment to equality, absolutely committed to great healthy relationships, how we have a deep sense of hope that things can change and be transformed and a sense of perseverance to keep going for the long haul. So those are the values. They come from our story, but they, we don't impose, you can never impose beliefs. Like you just can't, it's bonkers. It doesn't make sense. But what we do is we invite everybody who's part of Oasis to dig into these values, to live their rollout, their workout through the lens of those values of inclusion. It's a massive focus for us. And then the third part is formation. And we have something called the nine habits. And I will stop because you may want to ask me another question about that. Like a test. What are the nine habits? <laughs> oh, do you want me to tell you? I can tell you. Are, you yeah. Okay, okay, let's go for it. Um, considerate, compassionate, self-controlled, humble, hopeful, honest, joyful, patient, forgiving. Yes, I did it. One of the big things that I need to do, and I do this every month, is I write resources around our nine habits because they are then used across all the organisation to help us in understanding how do we live out those habits? How do we actually make those things habits? Because we talk about the nine habits as a way of life. And so if I'm totally honest with you right now, <laughs> I'm, it, there's a part of my brain that's going okay, how do we communicate this through an assembly? And then how do I write that resource for our churches so that they get this? And then how do I, like, so there's always that going on. A lot of my work is around leaders and helping us as leaders in the organisation understand this stuff so that it's able to become more and more real in people's experience. Because it's really fun talking about this stuff but it's really hard to do. Coming on to the practical then, Oasis is involved with so many different things through your community hubs. How do these values inform what you do and how, and how you do it? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. So I often talk about, about our ethos values as a lens and so literally say to people, imagine imagine putting these five ethos values on as a lens and in the pace of life and in the storm of life and in the all the demands that are coming on us sometimes we aren't as good at that as we should be there's lots for me to do there's lots for me to get better at that so what I'm always trying to do is to get people to understand that if you put that at the front, Simon Sinek does this thing. He talks about the golden circle. There's a really great YouTube clip on it. And he, he talks about how you should always start with your why. And so with everyone in Oasis, my encouragement to all of us is to ask the question first, why are we doing this? Why, why are we doing this? And why are we doing it this way? And can we track the golden thread back to what we're knowing and learning and understanding that flows out of our story. And so that's a constant journey of learning. And then the nine habits 
are the very practical expression of putting those ethos values into into action like into reality so we talk about you want to have a passion to include and that's like the most one it's almost like everyone should have that on their wall but how do you actually be inclusive well first of all people who are inclusive tend to be really good at listening to other people so they're probably humble compassionate because there's this sense of being willing to place yourself into the shoes of another person, even if just to start to begin to understand what it might be like. So can you see how, like, unless we're practicing those nine, nothing else kind of works. And then the other side of the nine habits for sure is that they invite us into a much healthier, wholesome, well-being existence. So there's so much evidence out there about if you practice being patient, you're more calm, you're less likely to get ill, your relationships are going to be better. If you're more joyful, you're less likely to have a heart attack. You're like, literally, there's all these connections to all of those things. So really, what I'm always trying to do is help people see that at first glance, these may be like, oh, it's just it's just nice stuff, but actually it's really gritty because I think to myself, I really want everybody. I want every, I want this for every human being, to be fair. I want everyone to flourish and thrive. I want everyone to have that kind of sense of living deeply and well. And, and so the, the work that I do, I hope, I really hope, begins to help some people find some of that. And in terms of how you're making those decisions practically, is it that you're really led by, say, being inclusive? So you go into a new space and you say, how can we make this community, this area as inclusive as possible? What are the services we need to accomplish that? Or is it that you are working in an area and then you're kind of thinking about how can we make our these various services inclusive you know what which drives let, let me tell, tell you let me tell you a story which I think illustrates this quite well I remember and it was early on when we were getting some of the earliest academies for example they had a really good day in, in, a, in an academy that was going to become part of the Oasis family and stuff and there's always this slight tension because it's an unusual thing for people because they think well well, Steve's kind of a vicar and they may have heard me speak at something or heard you know that I'm like one of those Christian people as well and you know and so there can be a little bit of a are these people that are turning up called Oasis are they going to make us I understand why people think that because for so long (laughs) that's what the church has done (laughs) But actually, that's so far, so far from what we do. But what happened in this academy was at the end of this day that I'd been there, a member of staff took me into this, um, into this almost like a cupboard, to be fair. And there wasn't a light, but there was a, a, like a glass panel in the door. And she sat me down and she pointed at me and she said, you're a Christian, aren't you? And I was like, uh, and I said, yeah, yeah yeah I am 
Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I am. And then she asked what I think is a brilliant question. And she said, well, what is that? And it was one of those questions where I was like, in my head going, that is such a good question to ask. And I said, well, for me, I think it, for me, it means this. I'm trying to follow the way of life that Jesus taught. And that means I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make things better in the world, if I can, in my own small way. And I'm trying to do that through my work as well. And uh, she looked at me and she just said, well, I'm not one, but can I join in? And I was like, you sure can, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's not, this is not ours. This, we're, we're, we're just part of something which is where anyone and everyone can join in with it. But when it comes to talking about your values, people want to know. People genuinely want to know. They're interested in what drives you. They're interested in the story that you have. They're interested. And that story is one of inclusion. That story is one of you matter. That story is you're, you've been dealt a rough hand and life is not, is not kind to you. And we want to be with you as together we work out how to make things better. We, we want people to understand that they're full of potential and possibility. And there's, there's a chance to, to, to kind of just move into that even, even more. And one of the things that I say to our staff when I do all of their induction, I say to them, the thing we always have to understand is that values are never neutral. We're always really clear with everybody who comes to be part of Oasis. This is, here's our values. So here's our five ethos values. They come from somewhere. So I literally stand in front of them and I'll say, and Steve will be there and whatever, and I'll say to them, so we have a passion to include. That comes from somewhere. And I'll probably jump to the other side of the room and I'll say, there, there's some theology that underpins that. We believe that God's love is towards everyone and no one is excluded from that love. And then I say, but we're never, why would, you can't impose that on people. But what it leads to is this absolute passionate commitment to inclusion and that's where we all meet but I can honestly say to you that the genuine honesty of me saying there's some there's a story under here that makes sense of what I'm about to tell you and what it does is it adds texture and it adds meaning and it adds understanding like we're not just 
we're not just doing things for the sake of doing them. There's a story that gives rise to these values. And then I say, and you know what? Being inclusive is really hard. Sometimes it's the hardest thing that we want. You know, you can have days where you're like, oh man, I wish, <laughs> do we have to be? <laughs> like, it would be so much easier if they, you know, but actually this is about a revolutionary way of life. So in a community, whether we're writing a strategy, doing a piece of youth work, the aim is that we always start. We all, you can't but start from a values place. But we're learning to do that. We're learning to do that. It's interesting because the, the nine habits are, they're a reflection of what uh, Paul wrote in Galatians, where he talked about the fruit of the spirit. I think it's, 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 it's fascinating how we often, when we, we look at bits in the Bible and we don't think about the context of the, what else was going on historically at this time. And so Paul was writing in contrast to Aristotle and Aristotle had his nine virtues and those virtues, you know, they were about being strong and mighty and powerful and resilient and being able to stand up to everything. And I mean, think about Greek art, think about those statues. It's all about the might of the, the person. And then you read Paul's stuff, which our nine habits are based on. And Paul says, through the spirit, it's love, joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's tenderness, it's faithfulness, it's self-control. And every one of those things that Paul talks about, you work out in relationship with others. It's not about you becoming the mighty one. It's not about you becoming the me first person. It's not about you becoming the top of the tree. It's the antidote to that whole way of being in life. So that's why this is a revolution, <laughs> because it's so counter to what often is the pervasive culture that we're in, which is why I said the values are never neutral. So let me ask you a question. When you hear the word resilience, who do you think of as a resilient person? Famous person. Give me a famous person. Probably like an athlete, maybe. Someone like Sarah Story, someone who's been amazing over yeah. a long period of time, been in different sports, who's like made gains each time. Some, somebody like that, perhaps. Yeah, she's amazing, isn't she? Yeah. But there's other people who are in history really resilient. Some would say Adolf Hitler, really resilient. You know, there's other characters because words are not neutral. So that word resilience, we can use it about incredible athletes, I say a story, but it's also a word that can be used about other, you know, we can think about present day politicians, what have you where you go, actually, that's a word that, that could be used about them. But the, the story, so when you were talking about Sarah, Sarah you were saying it, there was a, like you had an, in your head and there was a, a definition of what resilient meant to you that made sense in that person. When we talk about our values, 
we're just saying to people, look, there's a story. There's a story that makes sense of these that gives gives it, like I said, it gives it texture and it gives it gives it it gives it meaning. It gives it like a sense of oh, there's 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 some depth here. And that's like, it's so helpful for people to just go, oh, I don't, I'm not, I know you're not telling me I need to believe all that stuff, but actually that's, that's really helpful. That's just really helpful. Does it ever clash? Perhaps one of the things that Oasis have become best known for is running schools because they are very visible in lots of communities lots of children go to them and there is an amount that you can be revolutionary with schools and perhaps you're working but also schools still exist within a system there's still you know policies are set by government curriculum set by government that also potentially applies to other services that you run there are structures do those values or those ideas ever clash with those structures that exist when you're trying to to be revolutionary with your approach those values are they're good values they're they're good values i think they're very attractive they're very attractive values i'm not saying that we've nailed it every in every like like i say like i'm i'm still working on it say for example you're a parent and you're thinking about where your child is going to go to school. And there's a place that genuinely is trying to include people and to treat people equally and is seeking to give and develop the skills around how you do relationship well in life, which is what we all are navigating all the time, and that there is that sense of hope you know, that things can change and be transformed and how things are now is not how things need to stay. And that it takes, it takes sweat and hard work to get there. If I was a parent with a child and a school existed that was trying really hard to do that, that would make sense to me. Do you feel that there's ever a scrutiny on you as an organisation by putting those things out there first for example in schools if you're saying we want to be really inclusive and then people come back and say well still have school exclusions or you know get into those kind of details or well I personally don't feel included do you feel pressure to I guess to live up to those values in every place that you operate I don't know if it's pressure but I think it's always wanting to do better because of what that better is what that means for people where that takes things but they're hard they're hard things to do and we can tend to um oh this is the picture you've painted and this is how it it must be like this everywhere and then and then I'm like here's here's the thing we're made up of people (laughs) and we all have good days where we get loads of stuff right and then we have other days where we're like didn't do so well on that and and so but what we've got is we're really clear this is what we want to be like and so there's always that drive that keeps pulling us towards it and so wherever whatever part of work it is we're talking and oasis is 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 a big it's a big organization doing a huge amount of stuff um 
our job is just to make sure we keep trying and never take our eye off the ball. You know, there's this Greek word, which is telos, which is a, a you know, we get telescope, television, etc. you know, words like that, which is simply this notion of there's a, a, a something that's in the distance. We perceive it and we work to bring what we envision for the future that feels a long way away like that that ultimate the way we want to bring it into the present so in order to reach what we see in the future we start working on it in the present but it doesn't happen like that we just all are committed to keep working on it and of course that can feel like pressure but really we're I would say, like for me, I'm just like, let's just keep trying. Let's just keep trying. Let's not take our eye off the telos. Let's not take our eye off what the goal is. The goal is that every person is included, that no one ever feels like they are of no value, that they don't have a place, that they don't have purpose in life. Let's never be happy like let's have a discontent with ourselves if that's how how things feel for people um let's ask questions let's be curious let's be brave let's be um yeah let's just keep trying <laughs> we were talking a bit earlier and you said your approach is to imagine a community where everyone is included what is the the practical strategy for making that happen for oasis yeah. So normally we begin with a piece of work. So I think you're familiar with one of our contexts, which is Waterloo. And that I'm part of the Waterloo hub. We have what we call our hub strategy. What we do is we imagine or almost even get a map and draw a, a physical line <laughs> for the community where we are working or have been invited to start working or where that community itself has said can you come and help us can you come and add capacity be part can you can we and us be can we and you become us um and so uh in waterloo we began with a church oasis church waterloo was the very first thing but now what you see is two schools, you see a farm, you see, like there's so much going on. There's a play space and there's, but it began with a church and a church that just asked the question. So Muhammad Yunus said this, you can only build what you can imagine. You can only build what you can imagine. And it's that like telos, it's that kingdom of God, the now and not yet. So that church community, us as Oasis Church Waterloo said for this this community that we are in, we are part of, we live here. What are we imagining? What, what can we see? In uh, Revelation 21, there's that couple of verses where it, it talks about, I saw a new heaven and new earth. And there's no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. And so for us, it's like, what do we see? No more. And then because you're part of the community, and then you're saying, we've worked out that things, we can see there's such joy here. These people are incredible. But there's this piece over here that really needs work on. And, and we discover that this is broken. And these people keep telling us this is broken. So how do we 
And then what you start to do is because you're in the community, you're not just, it's not people traveling into a building. It's like, we are part of this community. For Waterloo, I, I remember there was, well, a little bit of youth work started happening. And then we opened a coffee shop, which was basically one of those plunger coffees and Joyce in the church making a coffee and walnut sponge. And that was open like on a Tuesday and a Wednesday morning. It was like it all begins really small, like really, really small. But of course, the youth workers are starting to connect with the families. And then at the same time, Big Oasis is doing schools and, uh, uh, you know, that's all starting to emerge. And then the local primary school is like, it would be great if we could become part of Oasis because you've got a really good infrastructure behind you. And, and then you discover as you're working with them that, you know, there's things that the families need help with and there's things that the families can help in other parts of, of the community. And so there's this whole like conversation starts happening and then you've always got to be listening. You've always got to be working out what's happening. And then, and then you're like, actually you discover, you know, say there's a, couple of children who are um, uh, a bit naughty on a Monday, but they're like really naughty the next Monday. And you're like, what's going on at the weekend? And then you basically discover that there's food poverty and, and they haven't eaten all weekend. So no wonder they're naughty when they arrive at school. So then you're like, why, how do we like, so we need to like food, food poverty. How do we connect with that? And then you're like, how do, how do we, set up a food bank or how do we work with other people who are, who've got a food bank and how do we bring that into our space and then there may be all sorts of other things going on you know they, they may be in debt as a family and so they need help with that so then we're like if they've got debt I bet you there's a load of other people have got debt and so we find out and then we're like actually we need some people to be volunteer advisors and then the church community we've got people who can who can do that and then as you're talking with these families, you discover they're really worried about year six in the primary because where are their kids going to go to school? Because there's no secondary school. And then you're like, well, let's start a secondary school. <laughs> and, and then, and so basically that what you're doing is you're saying there's a vision. We, we see something that's beyond us right now. But if we bring that into the present and start step by step by step by step in this space, what does it look like? So there's no blueprint because every community is different. And the people in the community are there. No one's doing anything to people like that's that's not how this works. It's like. What are we hearing? Because we are it. So how, how are we going to do this together? So there's this massive empowerment model and this listening approach and this sense of these, these spaces, this space that we're in, things we have to work hard so that the things that are seen as acceptable at the moment that are, that are not acceptable, really, we can bring change to that. So vision, your why, how, you need to build a team of people, but those people emerge as the work grows. And what do you do? What's your what? It's like you're responding at each stage to what you're hearing is happening, what's being said, what's missing. Yeah, it's a 
it's a mess. <laughs> it's not neat. And it's not about filling pews on Sundays. How, how does it inform that church at the heart of it and the people who attend it? It's all connected. Yeah, every bit of it. Churches are, are incredible places. They're gathered communities of people who want to do stuff, generally. The people who make up that gathered community have got ideas and thoughts and about the community that they live in. Like they're, they're part of the journey. It's, it's also like a little reference point of there's this kind of cohort of people who are totally around this learning about the person of Jesus thing, um, which is fantastic. You know, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad I'm part of that. But what what we as that gathered community understand is is that we are a resource into everything else that's going on because we bring capacity church in lots of people's heads has come to mean that group of people that meet on a sunday in a building and everything that the church does is about how do we get more people to be in that building? What happens is instead of churches starting with their Christology, i.e. what do they believe about life message and example of Jesus and what does that lead to? They begin with their ecclesiology of how does the church need to look? If you begin with your ecclesiology, your focus is on how do we fill this building. You make your missiology a success for your ecclesiology. So everything you do is how do we get more people into this space, fill our pews, you know, all the rest of it. And then you go, oh, and this is the Jesus. This is the Jesus we then offer into that space. But if you begin with your Christology, like what is it that you believe about the life message and example of Jesus? What we do know is he created chaos. <laughs> what we do know is from the Gospels is that he messed things up. What we do know is he was uncomfortable for people who had the rigidity of rules and regulations and the law and the, the, all of that stuff. He was always including people, he was always making the circle bigger. He was always provoking questions. He was always, okay, so if that's what Jesus was like, what's the mission of the church? And therefore what you get to in terms of what should church be like is it should be a reflection of all of that, which means it's not, it's not about how do we fill some pews. There's this way of life that Jesus was always like inviting people into. And so wherever you connect with anything that we're doing, there should be this thread running through. How's it going? Is housing getting better? Is health getting better? Is employment getting better? Is 
all these things are they improved our relationships flourishing our uh, our kids feeling alive with life do they feel, feel full of dreams and hope for the future and all of that stuff it doesn't matter where you are in that that should be running through absolutely everything and what you've got in the middle of that is this group of people who are just digging deeper into what that means and trying to work it out a bit more and, and going, oh, it's maybe it's this. And then you, you're like, you're passing it down the line. You're going, I think it's this. How do we do that? Take, try it. Just maybe we need to be thinking about this. And let's, you know, like literally it's, it, it's like a mess, <laughs> but it's a glorious mess of, of, of wondrous, difference and diversity and inclusion and everybody in like everyone's part of the story and uh final question i think is what, what is next for the mess what is next for oasis oh there's all sorts of things on the horizon loads and loads of things some of which appears in the media and some you know there's all there's all sorts of stuff in terms of my work there's lots still to do <laughs> there's lots still to do and, and also, do you know what? There isn't a day, there is not a day that goes past where I'm in a conversation with whoever, like, because in, in Oasis, we've got uh, people of all faith and no faith and some faith and I don't care about faith. And, you know, like it is just this glorious, glorious, messy family. There isn't a day that goes past where I don't have a conversation with someone which is about life and being the best version of ourselves and what does a flourishing life look like and what does life in all its fullness look like and, and that journey never ends. That journey never, ever ends. And for me, there's something... There's something incredible that I think we need to, you know, I, I would say this to anyone. There are some things in life that you can't measure. They're not, it's not data. It's not, you, you know, it's how can I help you go a little bit further, go a little bit deeper as you become the even better version of you, the one that you're fully created to be and that work is never done but I believe that some of that work is what makes the difference to the rest of life and so for me I'm constantly trying to work out how do we do that how do we do that when life is so busy how do we do that there's a, a guy called Ram Das who said this he said um, we're all just walking each other home. We're all just walking each other home. There's a, a real, a real joyous energy in Oasis, as there always is, that we want to be part of anything and everything which is about the transformation of the world. Like, totally. We're totally in that. But there's also this core element, which is, hey, we're in it together. Whoever you are, you're in. You're part of the story. You're part of the journey with us. And we're with you. 
because in the end we're all just walking each other home so there's still further to walk thank you so much Jill for giving up your time from the busyness to share that and to share the Oasis vision of, of where we're going but I really appreciate it I've really enjoyed uh, listening to all the different all the different things in your role in that Oasis as well so thank you very much thank you talk this podcast was produced by me Emily McGrath with thanks to my guest Jill Rowe. It was brought to you by the Resonate Bristol team in association with St Stephen's and Holy Trinity Hotwells churches. The music was created by Scott Holmes, accessed through the free music archive. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Resonate Bristol. Join us again next time. <laughs>